0: and we're glad you're with us. Uh, Coming up in a couple weeks, the weekend after Easter, uh, I I believe that's April uh, 27th and 26th and 27th, uh, something like that. Whatever that weekend is after Easter, we're having water baptism after every service. Traditionally, we've done that out of the beach, but because we have this beautiful lawn space to the north of us, after every service, we're going to have some pools set up. If you've made a decision... To follow Jesus here in the last little bit, just FYI, there's, there's been a ton of people that have. Uh, we'd love for you to take your next step, which is to go public with your faith. Uh, what What's happened internally needs to happen externally. So uh, we'd love for you to do that. You can sign up online. You can sign up uh, out at one of the tents. We'd love for you to participate in that. And also, coming up in two weeks, everybody say two weeks. Two weeks. Come on, say two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. We have Easter. And uh, Easter is going to be incredible here at Coastal. Um, we actually have six services planned over Easter weekend. Two on Saturday night, four on Sunday morning with 7 a.m. being an outdoor sunrise service on the North Lawn. We'd love for you to participate. If if you haven't noticed, like this service is pretty full. The next service will be pretty packed out. And so here's what I know is a lot of people that don't know or don't have a relationship with Jesus come to church on Easter. And so I, I... Listen, if you're bringing friends and family, there's invite cards on your seats. Uh, If you're bringing people, come to services. Come to services on Sunday morning. If you're not bringing people, come to church on Saturday night. Help us out. Create seats for people that are far from God so they can experience, know, and follow Jesus on Easter. And listen, I will bribe you. On Saturday night, man, we're going to have bounce houses. We're going to have pizza. We're going to have ice cream right after our 430 service, right after our 60 p.m. service. So, if not for any other reason other than free food and ice cream and entertainment for your children, okay, come to Saturday night. And if you do that, then if you want to come on Sunday morning, you can come serve some other people. Be a great opportunity for you to get involved and engage in helping people discover a relationship with their creator. Uh, Take invite cards, invite everybody. I promise it will be good. Uh, In fact, 72 to 75%, according to some research studies that I've seen, Said that three, basically three out of four people. That if you would invite that are your friends to Easter, they would come with you, and so it's a great opportunity for us to share the the message of Christ. But today, everybody say today. today. That wasn't everybody. Everybody say today. today. Today we're finishing up our series Five Star Life. Uh, we got a special guest with us next weekend. You just have to show up to see who it is. Uh, but we're gonna finish up today, and we've been talking about. This idea of the five-star life, it's a, it's a popular terminology in our culture, it's how we differentiate whether something is poor or decent or average or good or best it's how we rate things in life and and we rate things from restaurants to jeans to to nail salons to whatever it may be and we're constantly looking for the best things in life because i i've yet to meet anybody that's like hey let's go find a one-star restaurant and get food poisoning like nobody's nobody's looking on yelp for that place so uh, we've been rating some things over the past couple of weeks so on your seat is a card that looks like that it's if you'll take that out and wave it in there wave it in there come on come on come on everybody wave it in there wave it in there I want to make sure you're you're alive you're here uh, I will wait I've got I've got like 40 minutes so I just, not only that but it's creating some airflow in here so okay good so there's some ratings on there five star one star two star, four star uh, we want to rate some things I want you to tell me what you think about this particular thing. how would you all, Rate country music, country music, country music. Come on, come on, fives. There's some five stars. Kind of a mixed crowd here. We got some low ones and then we got some fives. Okay, some people that have tasted music, some people that don't. I won't tell you who you are, but based on my rating, you can kind of decide. Okay, how about this one? How about this one? Your shoe game, your shoe game. How would you rate your shoe game? Mine's five stars. I don't care. Mine's five stars. Some people, some people. I've seen some of your shoes that are rating at five stars. I know that's not true. Okay, uh, cool, cool. Okay, how about this one? How about this one? Coke, Coke, Coke fans, Coke fans. One star. Not like cocaine, Coke. Like soda, soda. Man, this is an unhealthy service right here. Right here is an unhealthy service. One star, I don't like soda. Okay, how about your cooking skills? I have no cooking skills. <laughs> Man, there's some good cooks. I, I need some invitations to dinner. That's what I'm seeing right now. Some invitations to dinner. <laughs> How about the Miami Dolphins? Miami Dolphins. <laughs> Man, there's a lot of haters out there. Uh, dolphins. How many of you guys did, did a raise enough five stars? What do you think the Dolphins are going to do this season? <laughs> oh, these... Okay, I just I'm just checking. All right, perfect, perfect. <laughs> they they're gonna go. People are gonna go play golf on that day. But we love to rate things. It's fun to do that. But Jesus actually says, you know, in this life we can have a five star life. We've been looking at the scripture in John chapter 10, verse 10. And it says. Uh, The thief comes to steal kill and destroy like there is an enemy that is out there That is trying to keep every single one of us from a five-star life But jesus says this I have come that they may in that word may is an important word. It's 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 an opportunity for all of us. Jesus has presented this opportunity that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus is saying you can have an abundant, you can have a full life. You have the opportunity to live that life out, the five-star life. And we've been talking about this over the last couple of weeks from the first week, you got to put God first. If you're going to live a five-star life, you got to make God your ultimate, your number one. Last week we talked about you have to steward the things that he's given to you because it's all his in life. And this week, we're going to talk about a word that I believe is critical to living the five-star life, and it's the word faith. It's faith. you got to have a little faith, faith, faith. You know, a little old-school George Michael. He didn't have it, but it would, he would have been good if he would have gotten it. But you got to—I don't know that. I'm just saying. Uh, but you got to have faith. you got to have this thing called faith. Now, when Shayla and I first got married, we told you last week we got into a lot of crazy debt, and in the middle of that, um, we were getting our way out of debt, and we went and convinced Shayla's grandparents to let us take the upstairs of their house. They had this huge, massive house on, like, 40 acres to take the upstairs, turn it into an apartment so we could kind of live rent-free. Our rent was we had to mow the 40 acres, um, which was which was a great trade for them, terrible for us. Uh, but we're we broke, so we wanted, we needed, we needed that. And so I remember we remodeled this place. We made this little one-bedroom apartment with living room, wood floors. And one Sunday after we got home from church, um, as we were coming home, when we walked upstairs outside to our outdoor deck, there was a note on our front door from Shayla's aunt. Now, let me just kind of give some some preface. Shayla's aunt uh, was a little crazy. Um, like, she, like crazy is a really nice way of saying she 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 was a crackhead. Not not like just saying she's cra- no. She actually was a crackhead. She was a she's on a lot of drugs, and and so we saw this note. On our door, that she had stopped by our place, and she left a note and said, "Hey, I stopped by your place," and I immediately thought, "What did she steal?" Uh, and then, and then the note said, "Hey, just wanted to let you know that your pet snake is out." And I'm like, "She is tripping, Shayla. Like, <laughs> she is seeing, she's seeing snakes and stuff. She must be on like some PCP or something." And like, like, anyways, we walked inside, we looked around with her. It's like we don't own a snake. She, she's high. She's crazy. And uh and so after a long day I was like let's go take a nap. We went into our bedroom and uh we had one of those like IKEA beds that like were this high off the ground. You know those platform beds with no box spring, just a mattress. We lay down, we're taking a nap. And in the middle of our nap, uh Shayla kind of she she hits me and she goes, "Hey, hey, TJ, wake up. Do you hear that?" And I'm like, and it, you heard it something like I was like, Shayla, Shayla, you're daydreaming. Uh, like, like you're, you're just paranoid right now. Go back to sleep. I turn back over. I go back to sleep. Uh, and like a couple minutes later, she's like, TJ, do you hear that? And again, it's, you know. And, 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 and I, I turn and look over to my left, and on the floor is like a six-foot snake. And and in that moment, I don't know if you've ever seen Count Dracula, you know how he's laying down and all of a sudden he just pops up. Like Shayla like literally like went from a laying down position to like on the feet, in the middle of the bed going, ah, 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 jumps out of the bed, takes up off out of the room and like runs away. Just leaves me in there to get killed by a snake. Totally abandons her man. And so I jump out of bed and I just grab the snake. And and I start running out of the house. And as I'm running out of the house, the snake like wraps its tail around a stool. And like I'm running with a snake that's holding onto a stool. And I'm like, get the door, get the door. Shayla flings open the door, and I like javelin throw this snake off of our deck. Like it had to be like 500 yards. I mean, it was the longest javelin throw of all time. It's probably like 10 feet, but it felt like that. Have you ever noticed that there's one of two responses when you're in a moment of fear: flight, which is what Shayla did. <laughs> Or fight, which I I don't really know if I did that or if I was just stupid. There there might be a third response, stupid. Okay. (laughs) But fight or flight. Here's what I know is everybody has felt fear. There's not a single one of us in here that has not felt fear. And it's natural and... That wasn't supposed to happen right there, but. (laughs) Yeah, that that did actually terrify me. (laughs) You have to watch that back on video. (laughs) It is natural and normal to feel fear when you have a perceived threat, isn't it? It's natural and normal. Normal. And a lot of us (laughs) there's skittles everywhere. (laughs) When we feel fear, whether whether we're in flight mode or we're in fight mode, what do we do? We tighten up, don't we? We tighten up to run or we tighten up to fight. And not only do we tighten our hands, but we tighten our necks. We tighten our backs, we tighten our shoulders. We tighten up everything. And the problem with that is is we are meant to feel fear in that moment and then let go of it. But what a lot of us do is we tighten up and never let go of it. And instead of letting go of fear, which is a natural response to that moment that is a perceived threat, we continue to live with that threat constantly in our lives. And God has never designed us to stay in fear. The reason why is because when we stay in fear, it is keeping us from the life God created us to live, which is that five-star life. It's keeping us from living out that full life that Jesus promised to every single one of us. And listen, it's not what we do when we're afraid that is bad. It's what we don't do when we're afraid that makes it bad. Hey, don't worry about Skittles. Don't worry about it. They're they're Skittles. Like, we'll we'll clean the carpets. It's not a big deal. Maybe you guys are just eating them. I don't know. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) That's why the predominant command all throughout Scripture is two words fear not. Why does God say fear not over and over and over and over and over and over again? Because living in fear keeps us from living the five-star life. And we're going to continue the story that we started last week. And we've been talking about our money and our possessions and our things. And as soon as we start to talk about those things, what happens for a lot of us is fear comes into our life. And what do we do? We start to tighten up. And I believe that God wants to break us free from some fears when it comes to our finances and stuff and wants us to live a faith-filled and a faith-full life and that begins with some open-handedness. And so we're going to continue in Luke chapter 12 uh starting in verse 21. It says this, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. This is what we talked about last the, from the very beginning. God is all about make being number one in our life. God wants to be our ultimate. He wants to be in first place. God wants to be number one. He wants us to have a rich relationship with him. It says, then turning to his disciples. So this is, this is important for you to realize. Jesus is having a conversation with crowds of people that aren't following him. He's giving them information. Then he turns to his disciples. He turns to the people that say, hey, I'm a follower of you. So what he's doing is now he's having a personal conversation with people who would call themselves Christians or Christ followers. So what that means is if you're a Christ follower in here, he's talking to you today. He wants to speak something to you. This is what he said. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, for life is more than food and your body is more than clothing. This is why he says, that's why I tell you not to worry. He says, listen, I don't want you living with fear in your life. He says, stop worrying. And the implication is to stop worrying and don't ever start worrying about that thing again. That's what he's implying there. Like, hey, don't continue to worry about this thing. He said, when I tell you to stop, that means stop forever. Parents, some of you all want that for your kids, don't you? When I say stop, that means stop. Not just right now, that means stop forever. God is saying the same thing to us today. He's saying, stop. He's saying, stop. That's not the life. And that word life refers to our mental, our spiritual, our emotional, our physical life. In other words, it encompasses all of our life. And He's saying what he's saying is no matter what is going on externally or what is going on internally, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stop worrying about those things and worrying if you'll ever have this word enough. Now let's be honest, that's easy to say and hard to do, isn't it? Like, thanks a lot, Jesus. Real practical here today. But what Jesus is trying to get us to understand is that worry always ruins today and it never helps your tomorrow. So if we're gonna live this five-star life, what is Jesus trying to teach us right here so we can live these faith-filled lives? taking notes today, number one, we have got to trust God's control. We've got to trust God's control. I, I, quite a few years ago, I, I went to Columbus, Ohio to visit some of my family. My sister, my half-sister lives there, my niece and my nephew. And uh, my niece and my nephew, I, I love them. We're we're godparents to them. And so I went to go see them and see some of their games my niece is like this ultimate athlete she's playing lacrosse right now and and so i went to go see some lacrosse games of hers and after one of the lacrosse games um we are going to go back to their house and watch some movies, and so we went to the local grocery store, and we went to this thing called Redbox. I don't even know if they have them anymore, and we rented a movie. Do you guys remember when we used to do stuff like that? And we rented a movie, and then I told my niece and my nephew, I said, hey, go in the store, buy, get anything you want. We're going to eat junk and snacks, whatever you want. And so they went, and they loaded up stuff. I was like, Uncle TJ's paying for everything, and they're like, yes. They're like, this is awesome. And uh, and so they, they loaded up, and we went back to the house. We were Watching a movie and I looked over and I noticed that my niece had some Skittles, and there's something about Skittles, this candy-coated goodness of sugar that's got some flavor to the sugar. Can I get an amen? It's like I saw that and I was like, Man, I want some Skittles, and I reached over to get some Skittles out of her bag, and she smacked my hand. And I was like, Oh no, you did not. I just smacked my hand. I had a lot of thoughts in that moment, most of them I cannot say in church, but but One of the thoughts I had is is this girl has forgotten that I am the source of her Skittles. She has forgotten that I took her to the store. I paid for the Skittles. I gave her the bag of Skittles. I paid for it with my own money. She needs me to have Skittles. I am the source of her Skittles. Girl better recognize. second thing I recognize is that I control the Skittles. Like, she's like 10 years old. I can just grab that bag and rip it from her hand. I can take her Skittles, and I can. I can pass some out to Stevie right here. I can pass some out to you. I can toss some over here to you guys. In fact, back there, you wait. in fact, I can make it rain Skittles. I can make it rain Skittles. Why? Because I'm the source of Skittles. I can go buy a dump truck, fill it with Skittles, and bury her body in it. Girl, better recognize, what's up? Uncle TJ's in the house. Yeah. See, but I also realize I don't need her Skittles. But what I want for her is to recognize that when I give her something, she needs to be generous with those things. And see, the reality is, is we all need to be reminded that God is the source, that he controls it all in life. And not only does he control it all, but he always has more than enough. And I think so many times we, if God was looking down on us, I think a lot of times he'd look at us and go like, really? I've given you air to breathe. I've given you food to eat. I've given you jobs to work. I've given you talent in your life. And Really? You don't trust that I control all of this stuff? Like, you don't trust that I can take care of you in this moment? You're worrying about all, like, you don't trust me? That I'm in control of everything? See, the reality is, is most of us live within one of two places. We either live with control issues or concern issues. And let's be honest, how many people like control? I I like control. I'm going to give control five stars. I like it. Like, I'm all about some control. Like, I like control. I'm going to guess you like control, too. And what happens for us is when there's concern and we can control the concern, what do we have? We have peace, right? Because I'm in control of my concern. But what happens when it gets beyond our control and we're concerned? For the majority of us, what happens is, is in that moment we have a choice between fear and faith. And let's be honest, when we get concerned, we go to fear and worry and anxiety and depression, why? Cuz we have lost control because we've forgotten there there is one who controls it all. Charles Mayo, the founder of the Mayo Clinic, said this, he says, I've never known a man who died of hard work, but I do know many who died of worry. And this is real for every single believer out there. Do you believe that God is in control of your circumstances? Do you believe that God is in control of that child that is going wayward? Do you believe that God is in control of your financial situation? Do you believe that God is in control even when that doctor's report came back negative? Are you believing that God is in control of your circumstances, of your household, of your life, of your healing, of your faith? Do you trust God's control in that moment? Because when your sense of trust declines, your vulnerability rises, doesn't it? And listen, honestly, we don't control much, but we do worship the one that controls it all. And for some of us, when we get concerned in life, we need, to, we need to open up our hands and raise them up and go, God, I'm not in control, but I surrender everything to you, to the one who controls it all, and I will worship you in spite of my concern. And so if we're going to move and live in faith, we have got to trust God's control. Number two, we've got to trust God's care. We've got to trust God's care. Luke 12:24 it says, "Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in the barns, for God feeds them." And you are far more valuable than any of the birds. Now, what's interesting here is, is, is he goes, hey, look at the ravens, which is an interesting subject matter because in that day, ravens were a bird that were disdained. People hated ravens. They would ruin their housing. Their roofs on their housing with stashed. They'd come and destroy it to build nests. They would poop on everything. They're noisy. They're nasty, nasty birds. People hated them. And God is going, hey, look, if I take care of ravens, which you hate— how much more will I take care of you? How much more will I care for you? Let me let me explain like this. Hey, can I get my special guest here? Come here, come here, special guest. Come on, come on, come on. So so this is <laughs> this is preacher. He's on a sugar rush right now. Uh, preacher is our... are you actually eating those? You're just smelling them. Okay, okay. He spits them out. Okay, perfect. Uh, Preacher is our, our great Dane. He's two years old. Um, and uh, hey, Preacher, 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 Preacher. Can you, can you, hey, hey dude, I know, I know that there's Skittles here. Can you sit down for me? Can you sit down for me? Thank you. Thank you. Look at this face. Look at this face. Is there, is there a concern in the world on this face besides for some more Skittles? Like he is not worried at all where his next meal is going to come from. He is not worried at all when he's going to get his next nap. He's not worried that on Monday when I leave to go out of town, if somebody's going to take care of him. Like, preacher does not have a care in the world except for eating Skittles right now. (laughs) Like, he does not care. Why? Because he has a father who cares for him. Who feeds him. Skittles. (laughs) Takes him on walks Bays him periodically (laughs) Like he's not concerned for anything See See you have a heavenly father Here go with mom (laughs) You have a heavenly father That cares for you cares where your next meal is going to come from? cares where your next paycheck is going to come from? He cares about it all and yet so many of us are worrying. See, worry is a down payment on a problem you'll most likely never have. And a lot of us have been putting down payments on things that we should never be worrying about. And we're so worried about all of our stuff and in the end God cares not saying that we shouldn't work hard and do diligence and do all those things. But God cares for you. We need to trust his care. Continuing on in verse 25, it says, can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Jesus is saying, "Why, why are you trying to increase your life by worrying? Because worrying does not add to your life, it actually subtracts from it. And he continues on in verse 27. It says, look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. And here's the question that all of us have to answer. Why? 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 Why do you have so little faith? If God cares, what's funny is he's, he's talking about the lilies of the field and then he refers to fire. And that the word fire there is, is, is in reference to the way that they would cook. And so what would happen is, is when they were cooking their food, they would have to have fuel for that fire. And so what they would do is they would go out into the fields and take down the grass and the lilies of the field and use it as fuel for the fire so they could eat. And, if, and what they're saying is if, if God cares so much to keep refueling those fields for you, if he cares that much about those lilies and drapes them up, how much more does he care for you? And so we have got to trust God's control. We've got to trust God's care. Number three, we've got to trust God's provision. We've got to trust God's provision. Continuing on in verse 29, it says, And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world, but your father already knows what you need. What he's saying right here is he's saying, listen, worrying is what people that don't know about a relationship with God do. And see, I've called you to be different. See, you're to look different, you're to walk different, you're to talk different because you're not supposed to be worrying about the same cares that they have because you have a God who controls it all, cares for it all, and provides it all. And so you're not to be walking around worrying like everybody else because you know the source of everything. says, your father already knows your needs. He says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Is what we've been talking about. Make God your ultimate. Make him number one in your life. What does it say it's the it's the premise to the promise and he will give you everything you need that word everything there i looked it up in greek i looked it up in the english webster's dictionary you know what everything means everything i looked it up in in russian it means everything i looked it up in portuguese it means everything says man i'll take care of everything not your wants your needs important So don't be afraid little flock for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom he says seek first the kingdom of god what what is that the kingdom of god i've kind of got a little illustration here here's the kingdom of god it's it's the Power and authority of our God. It's his reign and rule. It's his dominion. It's his healing. It's his authority. It's his life. It's his spirit. It's everything that he is. It is large and in charge, man. The kingdom of God is huge. And he says, seek first the kingdom of God. Why does Jesus say that? Because God has a kingdom. But you also have a kingdom. It's your kingdom. It's the area that you have rule and reign over. It might be your house. It might be your car. It might be your influence. It might be your resources. It it might be uh, uh, your talents. But we all have something that we rule and we reign and we have boundaries for in life. It's like this is what we have dominion over. And what God is saying here is he's saying, Listen, you all have your little kingdoms, but there is a kingdom that is far greater, far larger, far more important than your kingdom. And how you seek first my kingdom is you surrender your kingdom to my kingdom. You go, you know what, I'm not going to hold on to my boundaries. I'm not going to hold on to my things, but I'm actually going to take my kingdom and submit it to the kingdom of God. I'm not going to hold tight anymore to what I can control, but I'm going to give it to the one who controls it all. The one who has rule and reign and dominion over everything. I control very little but I can worship the one who can control it all. He says when we do that the kingdom of God, God's kingdom starts to infiltrate our life. And in God's kingdom he provides everything. See what I've learned about God from beginning to end and You can look in scripture from Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, one of the first things that God does. When God created Adam and Eve in verse 28, right after he made them, it said, God blessed them. You can go all the way to the book of Revelation. It talks about the seven different blessings of God. All throughout scripture, God has wanted to bless his people. That does not mean that you're going to be rich, dropping a Bentley with 22s and living on the beach. That's, that's, this isn't prosperity. But this is saying that there is a God that wants to provide for all of your needs because he is your provider. Jehovah Jireh, your provider. And I've learned a lot about this, about father and son relationships. Uh, we have a son that just turned one years old. His name's Alexander. He is, uh, he's my boy. And uh, Shayla and I, we've been fighting a lot about him lately, for real, for real. We've been having like a lot of arguments, particularly on one subject. So uh, I'm I'm a shoe guy, I like shoes. Um, and uh, my son, he turned one on his birthday. He got like four pairs of shoes from me. Uh, like he just, cause he needs shoes. And, and so, but we like to, for fun, for fun, yeah, we we go the that's that's his current shoe game that fit him like he's growing out of shoes like crazy, uh, but we we go to the mall just to walk around. It's kind of like we talk and, and it's our date time and um and every time we're there, I go into a shoe store and I'm like, babe, I w- I want to buy Alexander some shoes, and like we'll literally argue about this. She's like, he does not need any more shoes, and we'll argue, and I'm like, I don't care if he needs shoes. Does not matter to me as his father. Like, I love shoes. He likes shoes. We bond over shoes, babe. In fact, if you notice, the shoes up top are the same shoes I'm wearing right now. We're twinning today. He's wearing them. And she's like, he doesn't need shoes. And I'm like, it doesn't matter whether he needs shoes. I want to give him shoes. Why? Because it gives me great happiness to give my son things that I love. Just like it says at the end of verse 32, for it gives your father in heaven great happiness to give you what? The kingdom. To give you rule, to give you reign, to give you authority, to... Do all of those things. See, we have a God that wants to do some amazing things in our lives. He wants to bless us, but so many times we bury our faith in worry and in fear and in everyday concern about tomorrow rather than pushing out faith for our future. And five star life begins with trusting in faith means seeking God first. And if you were to look two verses later in Luke chapter 12, verse 34, God wants your heart, but what he knows is there's something that's tied to your heart. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And as a church, my goal as your pastor is to get you to take your next step of faith. To take that step of God I'm gonna trust you a little bit more in life And so we've been talking about this five-star life and I I, honestly I'm called to challenge you And so I want to challenge some of you here today to take your next step of faith When it comes to your stuff and your finances and I realize that there's people that are all different levels here So I want to talk to every single one of you There's some of you here that that you don't give it all because you don't trust it all that's okay you don't have to trust us in fact if you think that we're here trying to manipulate you and get something from you i'm not trying to get something from you i'm trying to get something for you i'm trying to get you to realize that there's more to the kingdom of god and so if you don't trust us here's what i would encourage you to do go do what i'm telling you to do go do it at victory church in boca church by the Glades, calvary chapel fort lauderdale park ridge baptist church right over here oceanside church is about launching boca uh uh vibrant church that's about to launch down in, uh, in plantation area go, go pick another church I don't care what church it is because I don't want something from you I want something for you I want you to experience the blessings of God but it starts with you taking a step of faith and so if, if you don't do anything here's what I would tell you to do some of you that don't give at all start giving occasionally what does that mean it means there's people that go to church and if they like the message they go oh that was a good message here's 20 bucks oh they played my favorite song here's 20 bucks your people that give occasionally. Listen, I'm not knocking you. I'm just being honest with you. That's where you are. That's your faith level. If that's your faith level, I would encourage you to take your next step, which if you give occasionally, then what you should do is take your next step and give consistently. Go, you know what? I'm not going to give based on what I like. I'm going to give based on the fact that God is good. And I'm going to give consistently. And so I'm not going to just give 20 bucks when I think it's good. I'm just going to set up reoccurring giving and give consistently because I want to be a part of the work that God is doing. Do you know that since we moved into this campus, 500 people have given their lives to Christ. 500. (laughs) Average church in America is two a year, five months, 500. Get some of that. You can be a part of that or you cannot. It's up to you. If you give consistently, I want to challenge you to give proportionally. What does that mean? It means tithing. It's percentage-based giving. It's saying, God, hey, in fact, you're not even giving, it's actually returning to God what's already his. God owns it all and he says, return to me the first 10%. Malachi chapter three, it's in your notes, you can read it. It actually says he'll rebuke the devourer if you do that. It's up to you. I'm just telling you where you're at, take your next step. And if, if you're a tither in here, I wanna challenge you because all of us need to be challenged. To take your next step, which is generously. See, here's the thing: a lot of people think that they're generous. Generosity doesn't begin until 11%. First 10% belongs to God. You're not generous. You're returning to Him. At 11%, you become generous, because now you're saying, "Hey, God, I return to You. Now I'm gonna take a step of faith, and be generous." And we should be generous, all over the place. I'm not talking about just at the church. I'm talking about: we see somebody that's homeless on the side of the road, be generous. You see somebody that's hurting and destitute, be homeless. You see a single mom that's struggling, be generous. Live with open hands. Submit your kingdom to God's kingdom and watch what he does in your life. And my challenge to you, church, is to take your next step of faith no matter what it is. Take your next step and see if you don't start to experience the five-star life that God has for you. Let me pray. We'll get out of here. God, we love you in here. We thank you that you are a generous God that you're a God from the very beginning of time, you gave, for God so loved the world that he gave. You set the culture, the idea of generosity and giving from the very beginning. And God, more than anything, is you wanna see us submit our kingdoms to your kingdom. And maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ because this is the most important thing you could submit. It's not your money, it's your life. Because Jesus isn't after your money, God's not after your money, he's after your heart. And maybe you're here today and you've never given them your heart. Maybe you've never surrendered that aspect of your life. It starts with a prayer and it goes like this. If that's you, you go, Jesus, I've tried doing this on my own. I've tried going my own way. I've tried to live out my kingdom, my rule and reign. And no matter how hard I try, I can't seem to get it right. I miss the mark. That's called sin. But you sent your son 2,000 years ago to die on a cross to pay the penalty of sin by that death. And he rose three days later so I could have life. And just like John, Jesus said in John 10, 10, and have it to the full. Today, Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender my kingdom to your kingdom. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Change me from the inside out. God, I pray for the rest of us that are in here, God, that we would be challenged to take our next step of faith.